Our scripture this morning comes from John chapter 21. And as I was speaking to Jacob about this message, he he actually encouraged me to to use this passage of scripture, um, even though it hasn't been that long since he went through the book of John with us. He said, "There's always something new to learn." <clears throat> so we're going to be taking a look at the life of Peter. Uh, specifically uh, what happens in chapter 21. And I'll go ahead and read that text. Um, There's quite a bit of it, so bear with me. Um, John chapter 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, The sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. It was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me.
I would like to give a little bit of background um, before we get into the meat of the passage. And I'm sure most people here know Peter's story. <clears throat> and I, I may have said before that Peter is one of the people in the Bible that I'm not sure I would have liked. Um, he's kind of like the, the teacher's pet in school. Uh, kind of obnoxious. Um, anytime Jesus asks a question, the first person to answer is Peter. Sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong. Um, uh, famously, when Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Peter came up with a very profound and theologically correct answer in, in saying that he was the Christ, the Son of God. And, you know, I can see the other disciples rolling their eyes. Like, here he goes again. Um, and Peter just comes across as kind of obnoxious. Not somebody you want to spend a whole lot of time with. <clears throat> but Peter changes throughout the next few months. Um, moving up to the day that Christ is crucified, we all know that Peter denies Christ three times. And in Luke, it is recorded that he went out and wept bitterly. And, you know, I'm not sure that I can understand how remorseful or despondent Peter must have felt, but I think we can see just a little bit of that sometimes in our own lives. I mean, I've never had anybody come up to me and say, do you know Jesus? And me tell them no. But there are other ways that I have denied my Savior by my behavior, by sin I have committed. And in that way, we can share some of Peter's remorse that he felt when he wept bitterly. And I think, I think there is where my opinion of Peter starts to change a little bit. Because when you see someone who's remorseful, it shows that they're human and that they can change. <clears throat> and you have the disciples, Peter included, um, you know, after Christ is crucified, and then they can't find his body. You know, they are wandering around kind of scared, not really knowing what to do. And then Jesus shows himself to the disciples. And this third episode that we see, um, Christ had already showed Himself to them twice. And there's no commentary on how Peter responded to the first two times. You know, we hear about Thomas, and we hear about the disciples being shocked that he shows up. But not a whole lot about Peter. And I almost think he was ashamed to face Christ. Because he knew what he had done. 
But then we come to the, the episode that we see today when Jesus appears for the third time at the Sea of Tiberias. And we see a conversation at the beginning. And he, Peter says, I'm going out to fish. And, you know, we really don't know why. We're not told in Scripture why he goes to fish. Um, maybe they're hungry. Maybe they're going back to the life that they had before Christ. We, we don't really know. But the point is that they're out on the sea. And they have fished all night. And they haven't caught anything. Which is very similar to another story that we see in the New Testament. Where before Christ is crucified, they fish all night. And Jesus comes walking to them on the water. And that's when Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> wow. So, <clears throat> Jesus is on the shoreline. After, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> After they have fished all night, and Jesus says to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? <clears throat> and that is I don't know that I would have a great response to that question if I'd been fishing all night <laughs> and some joker on the shore walks up and says hey don't you have any fish and you know sailors are not known for um, their clean language I don't know that any of them used any colorful language to respond. Um, but they said no. And then he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now, I've never fished with a net. Uh, you know, all the fishing I've done is on a pond that you can cast all the way across. So you can fish the whole pond from one spot. <clears throat> but fishing with a net is quite a bit different. Um, you, you let a net down and then haul it up and see what happened to swim into the net or get caught in it. And to say, you know, throw the net on the other side of the boat, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Their boat was not an ocean liner, you know, six, eight feet across maybe. So if there's no fish here, there's a real good chance there's not going to be any fish here. But Jesus told them, cast your net on the other side and you'll find some. And they did. And sure enough, they caught more fish than they could haul in. <clears throat> and then, John, well it says the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and that's how John refers to himself said to Peter, 
it is the Lord. Now, I'm sure that John remembered the first time this same episode happened. You know, when they were out on the sea and Jesus said, throw your net on the other side and they caught more fish than they could pull in. And John was the one who realized, hey, that's Jesus. So he says this to Peter. And Peter, in Peter fashion, jumps in the water. Like he leaves all the disciples <laughs> to deal with the fish that they couldn't haul in the boat, and he jumps in and swims to shore. I don't, you know, I don't know what he was thinking. He didn't have a plan. He didn't have a direction of any sort. All he did, he jumped in the water to get to Jesus. And it doesn't say what Peter said when he got there. We assume that he showed up before the boat did because it took a little longer for the boat to get to shore. <clears throat> but Jesus said, bring some of the fish and, you know, he, he fixes breakfast. And... Something we need to make note of. <clears throat> In verse 9, When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. They didn't have... It wasn't new wood that was laying there in a fire. It was coals. And you're thinking to yourself, so what? It doesn't matter. Well, yeah, it kind of does matter. Well, number one, because it's better to cook on coals than it is a roaring fire anyway. But number two, it means that Jesus had been there for a while. He had been there long enough for the wood to burn down to coals. Jesus knew what was going to happen. Jesus was in control, just like with the fish. You know, cast your net on the other side, and it worked. Jesus was in control of this whole situation. You know, little details that sometimes really don't make any sense to us, they all point to the fact that Jesus is in control. <clears throat> so they, they cook the fish and they have breakfast. And bef before we go further into Scripture... I want to talk about Peter jumping out of the boat. Now this was different than the last time because the last time Peter actually walked on water. That didn't happen this time. Peter jumped out of the boat and swam to Christ. And there's a lot of symbolism in that. Number one, he left the safety of the boat to get to Jesus. Not just the immediate safety of it keeping him out of the water, you know, out of the waves, but the security that the boat represented as in a life of a fisherman. Like that's what he was to begin with. And then he was a disciple of Christ. And then he made a decision to go back to that old life. But then when he saw Jesus, 
He dropped everything. The stability, the financial security, the safety of the boat to get to Christ. That's something we cannot miss when we read this story. And then we hear the conversation between Jesus and Peter. And Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? And three times Peter responds, you know that I love you. Okay, well why couldn't, why couldn't Jesus have just said, Peter, I forgive you. You reinstated. Follow me. Why couldn't he not have said that? Well, he, he could have. But that wasn't what Peter needed. We know that Peter denied Christ three times. And by asking Peter three times if he loved him, what Jesus was doing in reality and in Peter's mind was erasing what had happened. That didn't matter anymore. It would have been easy for Jesus to say, I forgive you. That would have been easy for Peter, right? You know, but it says <clears throat> the third time Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time. And you know what? When we recognize our sin and we bow at the feet of Jesus in repentance, yeah, it hurts. It hurts to confirm that we have been sinful. It hurts to face what we really are. But that's what we need to do to be reinstated. The last thing in, in this passage of Scripture that we read... It says, then he said to him, follow me. And from there on, that's what Peter did every day of the rest of his life. And now, as far as salvation goes, I, I don't know when Peter was what we would call saved. Um, there's no one spot that you can point to when Jesus was Savior to the disciples. But I think I can point to the moment when Jesus became Lord to Peter. And that's when he jumped out of that boat to swim to Jesus. Because it did not matter to Peter what happened after that. He wasn't worried about financial security. He wasn't worried about what his friends thought. He wasn't worried about anything other than being at Jesus' feet. And that's what we need to ask ourselves this morning. If you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, 
Have you denied Him? Not necessarily by saying, I don't know Jesus, but maybe by your actions. And have you walked away to a life that you knew before because maybe you didn't know what else to do? Well, it's time to make Jesus not only your Savior, but your Lord as well. When you read Acts and some of the rest of the New Testament about Peter's life after this, Peter's a different person from here on out. You know, he's, he's not the obnoxious guy that shoots off his mouth all the time. He's thoughtful and he's concise and he's loving and he's compassionate. Because Jesus made him into what he wanted Peter to be. And that's what we have to allow Christ to do in our own lives is to make us into what He wants us to be. When, <clears throat> when we get to the place where the only thing that matters is Jesus, when we decide to be obedient to Christ, that's when Jesus can use us to do what He wants us to do. At some point, we have to leave the safety of the boat to follow Jesus. And the safety of the boat might be different things for different people. It could be a job. Um, it could be a relationship. It could be anything that you find comfort and security in that takes you away from your Savior. When, when Jesus asked Peter these three times, He was, he was allowing Peter an opportunity to experience the full weight of forgiveness that was being offered to him and to realize that there is always enough grace. There's always enough grace to cover our sin and restore us to where Jesus wants us to be. When you come to Jesus with an humble and contrite spirit, he loves and He forgives and He restores. Because that's what Jesus came to do. To save sinners. And I don't know where everybody is this morning <clears throat> in your walk with the Lord. If you have been forgiven and restored, then rejoice. In the Savior and Lord that you have. An important thing to remember about this whole scenario is that 
Jesus didn't come walking on the water to them. Peter had to get out of the boat and go to Jesus. Jesus is not going to twist anybody's arm into service. Do you all understand that? Jesus is not going to beat you over the head and make you repent. Now the Holy Spirit will make you feel guilt to help you get to that point. But Peter was the one that had to go to Jesus this time. And it's a strange dichotomy there. You know, before you're saved, Jesus is the one who chases you. I hope everybody gets that. We, in our natural selves, don't chase after Jesus. He's the one that chases after us. But once you've been saved, once you've been made into a new creation, you start chasing Jesus. And that's the example that Peter was following here. Following in his footsteps. And we know some of Peter's emotions in this. But I think one of the biggest ones he felt was relief. Because he chased after Jesus and and Jesus was there. And metaphorically, Jesus picked him up and told him, you know what, everything's going to be okay. I've got a plan for you and your life. All you have to do is follow me. As our musicians come to have a closing song, I would ask everybody here to look at their own life. And see where you're at. Have you jumped out of the boat? Or are you still going your own way? Jesus stands on the shore waiting for you to come back. And it doesn't matter how long you've been gone. It doesn't matter what you've done. I mean, we have a tendency to rate sins, but I would imagine that denying you even know Christ is at the top. And Jesus forgave that sin. There's no sin that will prevent you from coming to Christ. And I pray that you would run to Jesus and be restored and find the joy and the peace that only Christ can give.